Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly, fully vaccinated Johnson in D.C. Today, my guest is Fred Wellman. He's the executive director of the Lincoln Project. Now, I'm going to read his Twitter bio. Overeducated at West Point, Harvard, and Ranger School. Truly educated in Iraq. Shut the fuck up, Stephen. <laughs> You know I'm going to ask him about that. But before I get into my conversation with Fred, I do try to keep these intros short. I have a tier on Patreon, though, that allows listeners to listen ad-free and with a much shorter intro. The Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. It's patrons who keep the show going, and I'm so grateful. If you do enjoy today's show, take a look at the About page, check out some of my past guests. Most of the time, I talk to political people. Sometimes I talk to actors, because I used to be one. But just visit patreon.com slash start me up. I do two free shows a week on Mondays and Wednesdays, and they're followed up by the What's Up show, which is just me alone talking about whatever I feel like, kind of like an online diary. I also do one patrons-only show with a guest once a month. Just check out the variety of tier options at patreon.com slash start me up. You can make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description. I've included a link that makes it easy to donate through PayPal. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes app, Apple Podcast Store, become a subscriber, it's free. And while you're there, if you like the show, please rate it and leave a review. I would really appreciate it. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Fred Wellman. Welcome to the show, Fred. Good. Great to be here. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. You know, I go up and down. So today's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> today I'm a little bit better. I was having a hard week, but uh, I'm getting there. Um, before I start asking you questions, I need to know who Steven is. Steven, sorry, <laughs> I'm about to quote in my bio. Yeah, that's, that's a little, it's a little obscure, isn't it? That is uh, Stephen Miller, of course. That's a quote from uh, one of these books that just came out, where General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, was in a meeting with Stephen Miller, and he turned to him and said, "You know what? Shut the fuck up." Stephen. And I was like, "That really? Don't we all want to say shut the fuck up, Stephen, Stephen Miller?" So that is my quote in my bio. Yes, I should also say Fred has a potty mouth, but you know, everybody knows that by now. I think. Well, that's really funny, and it just made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, every seat in the country is like looks at that and go, we're like you. <laughs> no, like what the fuck? Oh my god, that's funny. But I saw that in your bio and it just made me laugh. I had a feeling it was Stephen Miller, but you know, needed yes. to clarify. Um, okay, so the first part of my conversation with you is going to be focused on Lincoln Project, and love it. As everybody on my podcast knows, I have been critical, but I also have been supportive. Um, I want to support. I want to. You know, I want as many people in this fight. I, I recognize there's going to be ideological differences with everybody, yeah. including people in the Democratic Party. So um, that is not the issue that I have. The issues that I have, and I'll, I'll be real specific about some things like, okay, uh, I don't even know if he's part of it anymore, but um, why do I always – Rick, what is his last name? Rick Wilson. Thank you. I don't know why I blank on that all the time. Anyway, Rick Wilson um, – I don't really like him. I will say I think he's <laughs> I think he's very smart. I think yes. he's very funny and I yes. agree with him a lot of the time. What yes. I don't like is that there were times where I went I I challenged him on Twitter and I was respectful mm -hmm. and he quote tweeted me where my boyfriend challenged him and he did not quote tweet him which basically yes. sends his angry including liberals after me that pisses me yes. off but you know what frankly i don't give a shit if he's gonna fight for democracy then i just won't i just won't you know go after or i won't care if he quotes tweet quote tweets yeah. me 
Um, So those are little, in my opinion, those are just personal differences. And then, of course, there's the policy differences. But um, I'll just start with, you know, there there was the scandal with John, the sex scandal, I should say, with John Weaver. And certainly people, you know, there are people who feel that there were members of the Lincoln Project who knew and stayed quiet. Um, I'd like to know what's. Ch- I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into that scandal because I know it's past us. But mm-hmm. what um, what's changed since Weaver? Well, you know, I I, I took over as executive director of the Lincoln Project on February 1st, which is the day the story about John Weaver came out. Uh, I actually never even met John Weaver. Uh, I joined the Lincoln Project as the senior advisor for Veterans Affairs uh, at the end of July 2020. Um, just before the campaign started. So I, he had already departed the organization when I joined. So mm-hmm. I, I've never even been at a meeting with John Weaver. Right. So in that sense, and you know, I've never dealt with the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, I took over the day and it launched a whole series and we implemented a number of things right away. First thing I did was uh, we hired an outside law firm to investigate the allegations that there was multiple, there's multiple different, you know, I see angles, if you will, or, mm-hmm. or, or, or accusations. And, and we had that, that was released through that Hastings, we could, Paul Hastings is a well-known law firm out of LA. Um, they were not associated with us. They were tough on us. They did a thorough review. We've released that, the statements on our website um, from Hastings Review. And, and essentially it does say very clearly that, that no one in the organization was aware of, of these, of many of these accusations, especially about the underage young man that he was accused of grooming until he was 18. I, I can't get into a lot of the details beyond that. Right. But what I did as the executive director there was, other, you know, there was further, you know, when you get these kind of scandals or these kind of accusations of crisis, you know, it brings up a lot of things. And what we did right away was professionalize the organization. Because when I joined the Lincoln Project Executive Director, we were all campaigners. It was, it was all campaign. If you look at our, our co-founders, almost every every one of them were political campaign types, right? Mm-hmm. You know, political campaign, you run hard, mm-hmm. do what you got to do, and then the day after the election, everybody goes home. Right. Yeah. Well, we had to turn this thing into a long term pack and we did that very well in the campaign. Mm-hmm. And then I'm an old businessman. You know, before I joined the Lincoln Project, I ran a small business for 10 years. And unfortunately, I lost the pandemic. But um, but I was a businessman for 10 years. Uh, a veteran. I ran, you know, veterans advocacy for a living. And so I, I when they were looking for executive director records, I offered my my services as the opportunity to take the job because of the idea of taking the Lincoln Project from a campaign and a project to an actual long term pack and, and the things that go with it and those things are the kind of things that lead to some led to some of the accusations about you know the finances or yeah. john weaver though so we have met already i mean we made everyone an employee we have 12 permanent employees we put in place hr policies hr training uh, i brought in an hr lawyer you know we we implemented a whole range of, of processes i added a cfo or uh, you know as, as an outside cfo to make sure our finances in order you know we we professionalized in, in the interim that no one's heard about much from february 1st till now mm-hmm. we've implemented a whole host of essentially professionalization if you will mm-hmm. of the organization and so these things that have occurred and the access occurred I, my goal is to ensure that, that the systems are in place and the process is in place and then and most importantly our employees feel comfortable and mm-hmm. safe that any kind of improper behavior of any kind from anyone is able to be reported. There's a process to support employees, treat them like proper, you know, with respect and dignity mm-hmm. that everyone deserves in, in any organization. So the big thing we've seen from, from February 1st to now is it's a very different Lincoln product than it was then. And then I'm really proud of that work. I think it's made a difference. I think we have very strong employee policies and we have strong employees who are dedicated to the mission. We're, we're a smaller organization than we've ever been, um, but they're dedicated to the mission. So yeah, I mean, I, I do believe that, you know, crisis is hard. 
Um, scandal is awful. Um, but if you do it right and you respect the process and you take it seriously, and that's that's the thing that I'm proud of, especially with my leadership as I've led this organization, was we never – it was never blown off. Um, right. Not at all. I mean, it's it's hard to see the outside because you know, but we we took this really serious, and it was not comfortable. Um, and this has been look. I, I joke all the time. You know, I invaded Iraq twice, and and in many ways, this job has been harder. <laughs> in, in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, at least I knew who shoot me then. You know, I wake yeah. up, you know, one day and there's an oppo file got dumped on me personally, or you know, some kind of nasty stuff being said about me personally on, on Twitter, or my my address being floated around, like you know, it's you know, attacks on my kids. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen it all in the last six months. Mm-hmm. At least in Iraq, I was just, you know, shooting at people. And so, <laughs> it, you know, and so it, it is what it is. At least I, I could do what to expect there, you know. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's been a journey. But I do believe that the Lincoln Project itself as an organization is stronger for the experience. Um, I'm, I'm very proud of the work that the founders allowed me to do. You know, they got out of my way and let me build the right organization for the future and, and right size. And I think I think we're well positioned to continue our mission, which is a pro-democracy movement. So, you know, it's it's um, you know it, it wasn't fun, and and right. and and the accusations were serious, and, and the accusers um, and and the, and, the, and the potential victims deserve every right to be heard and respected for that. I hope, if nothing else, we respected that process enough that that at least we've addressed it. But I, I you know, yeah. it is what it is. So the other one of the other things I wanted to bring up was diversity because I remember there was some yeah. critiques, some critiques about diversity. So what's going on there? Yeah. It's always a challenge. I mean, I, I'd love to blow smoke and tell you, oh, yeah, we got it. Everybody, you know, it, it is, it, you know, I can't change who the founders are. They're, they are, <laughs> my, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> my principles are who they are, you know. And, yeah. But we are looking for new board members. We're recruiting new board members right now. Uh, mm-hmm. That That's their mission as we speak is to find a couple, if not one or if not more uh, board members. Our, our, our point was very direct. We need to get outsiders to come in, yeah. um, people with different perspectives, be it background or, or, or ethnic or, or gender. Right. Um, that yeah. was actually one of the recommendations we made from the Hastings Review on the very, very proud of that recommendation um we, we have um added more employees we are very small but as we add we've got one eye on diversity all the time so you know i can't i can't i, I take a group picture it's, it's gonna look like me you know right, right, <laughs> you right. know I, we, <laughs> yeah and I, and I, there's really no way around that this is the core team of all of that but, but we have an eye on, on diversifying and ensuring we have greater this and the thing is that most people don't realize you know we, we really focus on our founders right we focus on the eight former republicans that found the lincoln project and great americans all of them um but the, lar- the larger staff and many of our former contractors and others who work with us come from a diverse background within Democratic Party politics, mm-hmm. um, from independents. I'm, I'm, I'm a Democrat now. So, so mm. we're not quite the monolithic group people think we are. Right. Well, I, I, I knew you had left the Republican Party, but I didn't realize you were Democrat. So that's cool. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I walked. I walked completely <laughs> and flipped. Uh, I flipped. I'm one of the, I, I flipped long before, too. I actually was nervous about it when they, they reached out to me, when Steve Smith reached out to me. I was like, well, I'm, I'm full on Democrat nowadays. Like, no, no you're good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I ain't playing. I, I have renounced it. Yeah. Well, that's good. And then the last yeah. thing that it, the last critical thing that I will bring up is obviously sure. you know, Steve Schmidt was on my show. And oh, yeah. um, I know that one of the things that bothered me a lot about what came out in that reporting earlier this year was that he kept repeating gener- generational wealth. And honestly, I don't care if if any of you are making money to help save democracy. I have no problem with that. But I don't like I don't feel comfortable with the idea that it's because of the money. I mean, I do my mm-hmm. podcast and I earn money. And obviously, I mean, we all have to make a living. I don't begrudge that of anyone. And if you happen to, you know, get some wealth from that, I, I don't care. But it's like yeah. when it's only about wealth, when it's when it 
you know, when certain things are pushed aside and wealth is made the most important part of it, that's, that's a problem for me. Yeah. So well, that's just not the case for us. I mean, it really isn't. You know, we issued a report uh, again on our website back in April. Um, we went through in great depths. We did the financial stewardship report of the organization. Um, we issued essentially an annual report, which no other super PAC has. I mean, the thing you'll discover when you look at FEC reporting, uh, Federal Election Commission reporting, man, you could drive a truck through that crap. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, really, it's you know that's why super PACs are designed for that reason. The yeah. Super PACs designed to be you know a little bit opaque, if you will, to be honest. Right. Um, we issued a report. And I'm happy to have you go to our website. You can send a link out later. Um, but on the on the LincolnProject.us website, there's a, our financial stewardship short probably displayed in the drop down menu that goes through at length how we spent our money during the campaign cycle up until February, yeah, March, I guess, um, and, and, and in great depth. And and what you won't see is generational wealth. You know, those terminology, you know, like every like every organization that goes through some challenges, you know, a lot of things get put out that, that are, are may, may or may not be accurate, may or may not have been said, or may have been set out of context. I don't know. I wasn't there at those meetings. But I can tell you that having gone through the numbers executive director uh, and issued that financial storage report with my signature on it, that no one made millions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the structure was weird. And, be, and we talked about it before, mm-hmm. you know, because we, we, we all came in and brought our own individual companies with us, right? Even I did at the mm-hmm. beginning, right? And, and so, ad buys were sent through those contracts, you know, um, at, you know, digital ad buys were bought, you know, commercials were bought, videos were, were contracted through those things. So it looks like there's these huge dollar amounts, but in the end, those were spent on campaign. And then during the campaign, 8% of the funds that were donated to the Lincoln Project went towards the mission. They went towards issuing ads. They went towards our, you know, we, we gave money to some local get out the vote, get out the vote efforts. We partnered with organizations. We, we created a huge Latino coalition. So the money wasn't just thrown down the hole. Uh, well, so, the Latino thing know. is great because, you know, I had Kirk Acevedo on here not too long ago. Well, that's how I know Kirk. Oh, Kirk, yeah. I, I re- yeah, I reached out to Kirk. Oh, cool. Kirk, have you ever seen it? You should look it up because Kirk did a uh, – we did our town hall launching our Latino coalition. Kirk did a uh, like a, a video for us, and it's fire. I'll send it wow. to you. <laughs> yeah, it, it is It is. He's fire. awesome. And uh, <laughs> so I've, I've – yeah, he's a great American. Well, and I will say, I mean, the one thing conservatives, I know you're a Democrat now, but still, conservatives mm-hmm. totally know well, how to message. <laughs> <laughs> um, they know how to message. And Democrats yes. suck at that. I should say Republicans know how to message. But, you know, yeah, Democrats yeah. do suck at that. And so that's where I think the Lincoln Project can really be, uh, you know, a boon. And, and because not only do you guys know how to message really well, you've got that insight and the understanding right. of how Republicans behave and what, what t- makes them tick and all of that. Um, exactly. So, and I wanted to know, um, what is the goal of the Lincoln Project now? Well, we're a pro-democracy organization, and, and we are fighting the march of authoritarianism. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. What does that represent today? Well, that does represent the GOP. Um, yeah. Our concerns surround the, the, the rising, um, like I said, authoritarianism, almost – fascism, if you will, mm-hmm. of what it's become the, the modern uh, Republican Party. Um, you know, it would be great to say that it was just to defeat Trump and now it's done, but it's mm-hmm. the height of ridiculous to think that just because Trump is no longer yeah. president, this is stopped. And in many ways, it's much worse. Mm-hmm. You know, 1-6 was a huge point for us, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it shows, and the, and the behavior of the Republican Party since 1-6 shows where their hearts lie. Mm-hmm. And their hearts lie in restricting our voting, rolling back our democracy to keep power, a dwindling uh, demographic they're holding on to desperately. And they'll do whatever it takes to, to hold on to that power. And so we see that they're still in the thrall of Trump. They're still in the thrall of his wannabe followers. And so we are we still have the same continuing mission. You know, and, and to be crass, 
you know, pretty much destroys the Republican Party. Honestly, we yeah. are yeah, we're not interested. The, the worst thing we believe is that the Republican Party could regain power yeah. uh, in two years in any way. And then if they ever get the White House back, I shudder to think what could happen. It's that serious a moment in American history mm-hmm. that we fear for our democracy if one of our two major parties regains power and has the ability to restrict our democracy because that's what they want to do. Yes. That's what these legislatures are doing. So so we are we call ourselves a pro democracy movement. You know, it right. used to be anti Trump or right. you know that and that's true. In many ways we are still anti Trump of course because he is the leader of the Republican Party. I can't tell you how often I've got people in my mentions on Twitter or even telling me directly, Oh, you guys focus on Trump. You know, he's he's gone away. It's like he's not gone away no. in any shape or form, right? <laughs> no, it, 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 it's the height of delusion. You're you're yes. delusion. You know, if you think Trump's gone away. Right. He is I mean, how many congressmen or senators need to go on TV and say, Trump's the leader of the party, right. before you get the message that, you know, Trump's the leader of the party. Right. You know? And so, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just drives me. Honestly, there's a day that goes by, you see it probably in yours too. Like, yeah. oh, you guys focus on Trump's yes. Really? You think so? Because yeah. he's out there, you know? And, yeah. But don't worry, we got we got room for Josh Hawley and Lindsey Graham and Jim <laughs> right. Jordan and Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, we have plenty of room for, we got plenty of room for those guys. But in the end, yeah. Trump is the head of the Republican Party. Um, and, and what that looks like, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's our mission, yeah. and that's why you see. And that means in every way. That means take away the money that goes in their accounts. Um, obviously, our focus right now, especially, is on the Sedition Caucus. Mm-hmm. Um, we are very laser focused on those Republicans who. Um, I mean, you got your layers that voted against electoral college. Then you got your layers that actively undermine our democracy, like mm-hmm. the Jim Jordans, the Jim Banks, and the Marjorie Taylor Greens, um, that are gonna gonna be hearing from us a lot more as the twenty twenty two cycle rolls in. Um, so when you say hearing from us, does that mean you're going to be like doing ads? You're gonna, how are you going to uh, you know, approach those people? Yeah, so we, we have multiple ways we engage now. We're a little bit different than the last. Obviously, we're very different than our super PACs. You know, most super PACs pick a few races, invest some money, maybe do a couple commercials, give money to a candidate. We don't actually give money to candidates. Um, we invest in their race in the sense of countering their opponents. So when we talk about Mark, we're going to we're going to expose, for example, Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert or other races for who they are. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, we, I don't know who they're going to run against, but we're going to make sure that those who are Trumpists, those who are authoritarian, don't get a chance to get reelected. And that goes in a lot of ways. One of those ways is ensuring they don't get money anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've been very direct. I don't know if you saw our latest ad, but we went very direct at the head of Blackstone, who has donated millions of dollars to Republican seditionists. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're these are pub- this is public information. We want the world to know. Uh, I don't know if you saw we went after Toyota pretty hard because mm-hmm. Toyota was easing their corporate donations back to the sedition caucus. To- Toyota was was shamed for that, and they, mm-hmm. they did decide not to. Um, well, they've announced they're not going to invest in the sedition caucus anymore. We'll see. Right, um, yeah. So, so we're going very directly at those who are funding the seditionists, those who fund anti-democracy movements. We don't. We just don't believe that. You know, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't say you support capitalism and our democracy, but then invest in those who are trying to roll back those rights. Yeah. We've gone hard. We're going hard after AT&T. You know, AT&T right. in Texas gave quite a bit of money to government, uh, you know, to Greg Abbott. Well, come on now. They're, 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 they're yeah. literally doing everything they can to roll back voting rights in Texas. You can't have it both ways. You can't say you love America or you, you, know, you support democracy. And, and again, the thing you hear a lot from me, I think you've heard me speak before, but one of the biggest things I my themes personally is that, the problem we have today is that so many people want to go back to quote normal. 
Yeah. You know, our institutions want to go back to normal, right? Even there was an article today, there was an op-ed in the Washington Post about how, oh, the media still wants to treat this as a normal time. Like there's both sides that, that both parties just have opinions and perspectives. Mm-hmm. Like, no, we've got one party that wants democracy and we have one party that wants to undermine democracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not yeah. partisan, you know, and even, even President Biden, whom I, I, I respect greatly, um, you know, it just seems like sometimes his instinct, his instinct of all those years in the Senate is norms and traditions, right? We got to get back to our norms and traditions, mm-hmm. which is a pair of words that makes me absolutely fucking insane, right? <laughs> you know, and, and I've said it in other podcasts, you know, norm went out the window a lot. Normal went out the window a lot. Yeah. Normal went out the window when, you know, when, when the orange guy came down to damn the escalators that day, yeah. um, which wasn't a normal way to announce your presence. Yeah, anyway. mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, this obsession, this is my, my fear as, as an individual American and as a person who's involved in labor project is that our institutions are completely unprepared for this moment. Mm-hmm. That what we consistently keep seeing across America, be it the media, be it um, the Department of Justice, be it even our, you know, the pundit world, if you will, our TV stations, they, they just are not prepared for a moment in American history where it isn't just two partisan policies you know, arguing about what their positions are, but truly a party that wants to restrict our ability to be a democracy, mm-hmm. that want to overturn legal and free elections, that wants to install a person who wants to be want to be a dictator and do as he pleases in the most corrupt fashion we've ever seen in our lives and just act like that's normal. Um, and so it, it's just been amazing to me to see how poorly so many American institutions are doing at this time. Yeah. Um, so we, we t- I talk about that a lot. It's, it's incredibly frustrating. Wow. Um... Okay, so now I want to talk a little bit about some current events, but first we need to take a quick break and we'll be back after this message. If you ever catch yourself thinking when looking in the mirror, ooh, I wish my under eye bags would just go away, you're not alone. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women. Until now. Introducing the new GenuCell Serum with Plant Stem Cell Technology from Chamonix. Susan from New Jersey wrote, I've been using GenuCell for a couple of months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and they haven't come back. I love this product. I use it under my eyes, around my cheekbones, and on my eyelids. With its instant effects, Chamonix says you'll see results in the first 12 hours or your money back. They guarantee it. Order now and get 50% off all GenuCell packages for summer. Go to Love genucell.com slash stephanie that's love g-e-n-u-c-e-l.com slash stephanie love genucell.com slash stephanie and we're back so let's talk about these hearings i i gotta say i couldn't yeah. watch them yesterday because i yeah. i was having I, like i said I have, this is hard for me um as my listeners know and you may not know so i won't talk about it too much but i lived in soviet russia when i was 12 years yeah. old it was 1981 and yeah. i had that experience and so i know that uh, maybe my listeners get sick of me bringing this up but for me it means a lot because i got to see firsthand i got to go to a country that was like a prison and i felt like i was in a prison with privileges and i got to see how everybody just went along because they did not want to deal with whatever the russian government was going to do if they spoke out and so like the the main feeling that i have right now is if we were to lose our democracy i think there's so many Americans who don't realize um, what what I, I mean, we wouldn't be Soviet Russia, but we would pretty much be an oligarchy and like an autocracy. And 
individuals really wouldn't get to speak out. And I'm sure there's plenty of individuals out there who aren't even paying attention and they don't care about speaking out, but it goes so much deeper and farther than that. Um, and that freaks me out. And so yesterday at the start of the week, I started my week in a very negative space, fearful of that. And when these hearings came on yesterday, I just, I, I was seeing people tweet about them and it was like, uh, my stomach started to hurt and I just yeah. like physically I get sick from this. And so watching, you know, seeing some of these Republicans referring to these officers as crisis actors, um, mm-hmm. that really got to me. I want to yeah. ask you, do you believe these hearings will result in a positive result? Oh man, it's a great question. So obviously I have a visceral reaction to this myself. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I watched, I watched one six, the you know, live. I was on TV, watching on TV and I was here with my son. Thank God my son was here. You know, my 20 year old son who would say, yeah, you got to delete that tweet. That's really hard. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> 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 yeah. Thanks. Thanks buddy. Yeah. This one, I, 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 you're just shooting people. Okay. That's probably too much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so I have this reaction and, right. and also as an old soldier, I mean, I, I, I did four combat tours. I, I, I worked, wow. I did, I, I guess I mentioned desert storm as I, where I lost two of my men. And, uh, in my first time I ever made a I went back again in 2003 to the 101st Airborne Division uh, with a, a Black Hawk helicopter unit. Um, you know, so I've seen it. I did during that tour. I did civil affairs. You know, we built schools, we built wow. roads, we built clinics. You know, and, and I would sit in these, you know, sit in these rooms, and, and there was something. You talk about this. It's interesting. I've become good friends with Alex and Rachel Finn, and so I'm actually reading this book right now. Uh, book plug, August 3rd. Yeah. <laughs> Here, right there. It's by uh, Alex Finn. I, yeah. I got the first copy. All right. He gave me the, the very first copy came to me. Wow, um, that's so cool. amazing. He yeah. signed it for me. And, and, and so that world, you're talking about that. So well, I saw that in Iraq, and I remember yeah. I remember one day I was sitting in one of my villages and uh, with Dr. Muhammad, who was my partner, his sister murdered. And uh, Mohammed and I are talking, and, and we just had some bombs go off on the main highway from Baghdad, uh, Mosul. And I said to him, I said, I don't get it, Dr. Mohammed. I said, I don't understand how no one sees it. Like, they see it, and they don't report it. Like, how hard yeah. would you just pick up your cell phone and call the Americans or call the Iraqi government and say, hey, I saw a guy planting a bomb. And I said, it's, it's broad daylight sometimes. He says, yes. I said, I don't get it. He goes, let me explain how it works in Iraq and how it works under a dictatorship. He said... When you live under a dictator for 35 years, the way you survive, and you just said it a little bit the same way, is the way you survive is you don't see things, mm-hmm. right? You don't see when the family next door disappears. Right. You know, you don't see the black cars pull up mm-hmm. and take your uncle. Uh, because if you see it, wow. like you said, there are ramifications to that. Mm-hmm. And it's terrifying to me to then watch and, and, and how hard fought the freedom of those Iraqis was because it's not perfect. And it's been a very, I mean, honestly, just, there's no way to excuse that some of the things that happen, and, and I carry a lot with me from my three tours in Iraq. Um, I was a soldier. But having said that, you know, to hear their tales and talk of the violence, political mm-hmm. violence being part of it, what we see, what January 6th represents is that the violence is being once again part of our political spectrum, that, yeah. that one of our parties has introduced violence or the threat of violence as a, a normal day-to-day part of their political mm-hmm. spectrum. Right, and that, and we see that even today. Just I just saw someone sent me a DM today with a list how um, their local school board is under attack 
uh, for one, to have a mass in the fall, and they're, they're, they're getting death threats and doxing at the local level in some small town in Missouri. Yeah. Um, because this this party, the conservative movement, the GOP today, that's intimidation, doxing, threats mm-hmm. of violence are, 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 are nor- a norm. They've yeah. normalized threats of violence all the way down to the local level in our country. And so what the one six hearings represent, I think, is is, is dragging this out of the daylight. I, I can't tell you how often people also say to me, beyond not mentioning Donald Trump, but oh, don't highlight the crazy things that you know Marjorie Taylor Greene right. says or yes, Boebert. You, you, you yeah. see that a lot, right? It's yeah. like, no, I, I, we're going to drag it out in the sunlight. Yeah. We're going to cleanse it. We're going to use like bleach, right? And right. so I'm hopeful and I'm optimistic, and I'm and which is a weird feeling because I don't have it very often anymore. <laughs> oh. That that you know that that my, at least some Americans will see this and realize right. just how devastating this was for our democracy. And, and by having Kinzinger and having Liz Cheney, whom I disagree with, I'm, I'm not even a conservative anymore, Kimberly. I'm not even a Republican anymore. Right. I was already easing my way out of the conservative movement years ago. Um, it, it's just, Trump was the final straw. I was not yeah. even, I couldn't even pretend I was conservative anymore. <laughs> and so having those hardcore conservatives who are at least not um, lost authoritarianism makes it a bipartisan panel, and then has some. Mm-hmm. Um, has some gravitas here. My God, what a difference yesterday was. Could you imagine oh, yeah. Jim Banks? Or, I mean, he's already put out a statement yesterday saying he thinks they were somebody else wrote their testimony for him, like it was fake. It's like these people are fucking insane. I and and <laughs> so I, I guess I could say I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that um, the folks that have been assigned by, 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 by Speaker Pelosi um, and the Republicans who have joined them are taking this very seriously. They recognize it as a threat to our democracy. I'm, I'm hopeful that it's not the circus Benghazi hearings were, which was a joke, that we actually will get to the – we'll find out who knew what and when, and we'll actually get a true accounting for what happened because there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions yeah. about what Ms. Boebert knew. There's a lot of questions about who gave tours, if that's true or not. Um, I'd like to know answers to that. You know, yeah. I would like to know the answers to what happened with the Department of Defense. I want to know why it took three hours to give the order to send the National Guard. Yeah. Um, I got problems with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. The great, you know, George Costanza's dad once said, I got a problem with you. <laughs> so I, I'm hopeful. So I guess I, at this point, uh-huh. um, while it's probably completely unbased in fact, right. I am cautiously optimistic that a true accounting for what happened on January 6th will, will change some minds yeah. and at least uh, put some people in, in a defensive crowd so that they understand that they can't just get away with lying to us anymore. You know, I wanted to I want to ask about, um, you know, I'm going to get to the point. Do you think Trump will be arrested? Things like that. But before I do, sure, I want to know, what do you think? Like, do you give it equal weight? What or what is more important than so, you know, Biden, the Biden administration is giving Americans parents that tax credit, that child tax credit. So if you mm-hmm. have a kid who's six years old or under, you get 300. If you, if they're older, you get 250 until the end of this year. So they yeah. are getting money in their pockets. I know Elizabeth Warren is on his ass to relieve the uh, college debt, the school debt. Um, and yeah. I do think that that would be beneficial just because people would have that experience. Oh my God, I don't have any more debt and look what Democrats got for me. So what I wanted to ask is, okay, now we also have on the other end of it, we want to see the Trump people go to jail. We want to see them held accountable and all of that. Do you think that there's one thing that's more important than the other? Do you think they're both equal when it comes to the average voter? um, Do you believe that it's those mainstream kitchen table things the money in their pocket that's really going to get them motivated or do you think it's a both or just the other like i need to see them go to jail and if they don't go to jail i'm done yeah maybe that's the question of the time isn't it and what is what is it that appeals to folks i mean we have a, a we've had a unique time 
of political transformation in our country, right? We, we do have this, I mean, the, the, the Republican Party has never been smaller, okay? It, mm-hmm. it is a shrinking demographic. And, and in many ways, we know what that demographic is, right? So, so you've got a time when the, the, the opposing major political party is shrinking in, in, in numbers and power. Um, but what drives a lot of this is what occurs at the local level. We also have the most gerrymandered, you know, everything's gerrymandered. Yeah, yeah. Everything's set, you know, everything's baked. Bo- Bobert's in a plus, like a million fucking dust. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's because they've set up the system. So, so the danger we have is, is in my opinion, twofold. So I do believe there's power in delivering for the people that, 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 that what we hired the Biden administration before in my heart was, well, I was looking for decency. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something we talked about a lot at the Lincoln Project. You know, we just want to return decency to the mm-hmm. White House. I mean, I agree with many of us. I, I don't agree with Joe. I mean, people, every now and then the right-wingers like to dig up tweets of the line from 2012 where I really bashed the house of Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did because I dealt with him when I was in Iraq and he was a senator and he was, his policies were far-fetched, uh, just put it mildly. <laughs> you know, and, and I wasn't a giant fan. And yeah. and they like to bring him up like, yeah, I was Republican then. It's shocking, right? Um <laughs> having said that, um, you know, I, I wanted decency. I wanted right. a return to normal uh, I did want some normals and traditions, like how to make like reading Alex um Alex Benman's book about how policy and I do air quotes. I'm over here doing air quotes in my kitchen. Can we, you know, can we didn't really do policy under Trump. He just said he issued things by tweet. I mean yeah. the whole thing with the transgender thing, literally that was not vetted by anyone. So they're back to doing the National Security Council process or mm-hmm. back to doing joint interagency process. So those things are important, but they're not sexy. And right, the American yeah. and the average American has no idea that matters in any way, mm-hmm. shape or form. And so yeah, money in the bank's great. Bread butter issues are great. Um, but we also are people at the local level are going to their schools and being screamed at. Yeah, because their kid wore a mask, right? They're they're dealing with voting rights being restricted. I mean, if you're a, if you're a, and I'm not, I'm a white dude. I'm the whitest white dude. I'm so not diverse <laughs> and scared. I'm I'm Italian and English. I grew up in Missouri. I went to freaking. I went to freaking Harvard for grad school. I mean, you couldn't have a more not diverse guy. Um, however, I've been very blessed to um, have some wonderful mentors, uh, and, and especially in the, in the black community, kind of mentoring and saying, "Look, you know, here's the things." And and I just can't imagine a scenario where if you're a black voter or you're a, you know a black woman dealing with the issues you deal with uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, or mm-hmm. now in Missouri or mm-hmm. Texas, where they're trying to or Iowa now they've rolled back voting rights. They make it impossibly hard. They create friction. They they close your DMV office. So the the one ID you need to get to vote, mm-hmm. you have to take a bus. Or wait, wait, what as it turns out, the bus route's been changed. You can't even get that fucking DMV wow. office where you have to get that ID card, <laughs> right? Wow. And so. They, they're putting all these institutional barriers into holding on to power yeah. um, in front of the average American. So, yeah, I really appreciate the money, but Jesus, I, I'm rolling, they're rolling back my civil rights in the 60s mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And so it's really a tough, I mean, I don't envy the Biden administration or the Democratic Party having to navigate this terrain mm-hmm. and then try to do it all at once. So, they, I mean, what's the big thing? Well, we're doing the 1 6 insurrection committee. They're also trying to pass an infrastructure bill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, what? not sexy <laughs> you know but but i do believe if you do if you deliver for the american people they're, 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 at least they could come in and say that we delivered yeah. um but yeah. you kind of can't you know just say so you go back to that messaging right it's like okay so how are you going to message this how do you convince yeah. people you're doing the right thing for them when when those aren't those big splash things but then you do see I, I, i'm all over the place i apologize it's okay right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think what i'm saying is i don't fucking know oh, okay. <laughs> yes i've used many words to say i don't fucking know but no <laughs> you know uh, uh, yeah next question no i'm saying <laughs> 
that's the that's the question of the day, right? What is the answer? Yeah, I do yeah. believe that we have to have accountability, that the American democracy is in danger. And in the end, all this is moot if we don't hold them accountable. If yeah. we don't hold the criminals accountable, like you said, if Trump doesn't actually finally fucking pay a price yeah. for his outrageous criminal behavior, the fact that his kids made hundreds of millions of dollars while allegedly working for the American people is so outrageous that they, a kleptocracy has been built within our government. Mm -hmm. If that is not held accountable and there is a price to pay for that, then it's going to be okay, just like violence in our political system. If we don't put people in jail, if we don't start rolling up the barriers to these kind of acts of violence, then we were not, and not, and then the same thing, we don't roll the barriers to outrageous acts of corruption yeah. like I've never seen in mm -hmm. America. I saw corruption every day in Iraq. Yeah. You see that here in America, where you had to stay at the Trump Hotel to get access to the fucking president. Yeah. If that goes unchecked, I, I'm, I'm afraid for the future of our nation. Yeah. Because that goes to the very fabric of who we are as a nation, and it scares me. Um, so I wish I could say I had the answer. I do not envy this administration. I thank God I don't do policy. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I don't. We don't do policy. Like yeah. We do like you know, punch them in the face. Um. But I don't envy them, and, and and you're right. What is the answer? I I, I don't. I'm not, I, so I, I guess this is why I haven't been hired by the Democrats. <laughs> I think it probably would be a combination of two. Like I don't, I can't see Trump going to jail as much as I believe he deserves to go. Now, yeah, I've had right. people on my show who really think yes, he's going to go to jail. Other people no. I don't see it only because of the way that we've set this country up and we've let wealthy, specifically wealthy white men, but you don't have to be white because look at Bill Cosby and look at O.J. Simpson. Yeah, but, you right. know, you have wealthy, powerful men getting away with all kinds of shit. Um, and, okay. you know, we also hear that, oh, God, I can't remember the mobster's name, but, you know, he went to jail for tax evasion. And I think if the American people get money and there and, and there are certain policies that help them, especially financially, and then we see let's say Trump doesn't is not necessarily legally held accountable for any kind of incite like inciting the riot, which I know would be very difficult to prove in a court of law. Um, yeah. if he were to get whatever kind of punishment for tax evasion, I think number one MAGA people have to pay taxes. I don't. I, I know that the majority of them will just defend him no matter what. But there might be a few of them that, that will be like, "Oh my God, look what! Look at the fraud!" And I can't support this guy. They'll go support somebody else in the party, who you know, like Ron DeSantis or something. But maybe they won't support somebody like Trump. But if we can see accountability in a legal way against Trump and his family in any way for any reason, yeah. along with getting some money and seeing some, you know, positive policies coming from the Democratic Party, I think that it would, you know, it certainly wouldn't satisfy everybody, but it's going to at least satisfy the, the majority of the concern somebody like I have, because I would love to see him go to jail for inciting riot, but I don't know that that's ever going to happen. I think yeah. our best bet is for, you know, the tax evasion stuff. And I do think it's a very good sign. I was just on, um, the Daily Beans podcast yesterday. It's not hasn't aired yet, but Allison and I were talking, and she said she's got some red lines for um, for the DOJ, and one of them is if they were to rep like Mo, Mo Brooks, which they are not going to do. Yeah, so that was I good think, news, right? Yeah, I think that's a really good sign, and it makes me hopeful for what happens. But you know, I've had Terry Canefield, who's a lawyer, on my show, and she was talking about just how difficult it would be to to tack that onto Trump for inciting a riot, and she I can't even remember all the things that she listed, but it's like, that's why I pretty much don't even consider that an issue anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. So now, okay, 
that was my little rant, rant and vent. I like but... it. That's what we're here for. That's right. It's a team effort. Uh, <laughs> Plus, you saved me because I was flailing all the time. Well, God, you, God, <laughs> hey, man, podcasting is all about talking. So there it is. <laughs> now, I want to ask you, okay. As far as this voting rights bill, if we don't get it passed, do you think that we're going to be able to even have a shot in 2022? I mean, that scares me. I think we could do it. And I'll tell you this, because I was talking to my mom this morning, who she, just like me, vacillates. She's very political, vacillates between feeling hopeless and hopeful. So she's in a hopeful mood this morning. And one of the things that she was saying is that, you know, despite the fact that it has been, you know, historically, people don't, especially Democrats, don't show up to vote for midterms. They did yeah. in 2018 because Trump was the president. And she feels that because things are, you know, as bad or worse now, that they are not going to forget and that they are going to make the effort to show up. So if we cannot get this bill passed, she still feels like there's hope. So wh- where where are you on that? Um Yes, I, I I feel passionate that HR one and S one is is a giant bill that's got a lot in it. I believe we, I do, I would love to see the John Lewis Voting Rights Act passed. Mm-hmm. I believe that's a key part. I do believe we need action at the federal level. The the system right now leads us to have to fight every little local battle mm-hmm. and every state level battle to try and preserve these voting rights. I mean, it's it's clear we're well beyond the, the federal. We need to have we need to have federal action. Yeah. And and the whole thing that's which really makes your blood run cold is realizing that these laws were all coordinated by like one quote think tank mm-hmm. that's been shopping. They're literally writing the laws for all these states and, and in a in a massive coordinated effort to just basically do a federal law okay for the red states and so the voting rights scares me i mean Mm -hmm. if you had to pick something that keeps fred wellman at night Mm -hmm. is that that this this march of restrictions of voting and the way so few people truly understand just how insidious it is and and it's incredibly frustrating to see even our liberal peers go well i I can't somebody came at me once like well i i like the idea that they're going to restrict college kids voting in our town because they come here and they vote and they, they don't understand our local issues I'm like okay yeah but there's a sister there's a sister law that says people who've been out of the state for four years can't vote in their home state either <laughs> wow. so now they just eliminate the yeah. college age vote right right and so they don't they, they pick one and that's why these laws are designed they're, yeah. laws, they're designed by you pick one oh, i like this part well, it's right kind of, yeah you don't see this part or like we talked about earlier they say you have to ID. That seems reasonable. You have to have ID. I, I, mm-hmm. I can't get on the plan to ID. It's totally mm-hmm. reasonable. But then you discover that they've also passed administrative policies where they've shortened the hours that DMV is open. Mm-hmm. They've cut bus routes. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's it's it, it, if you're an African American, an older gentleman living in a, living in in, in in maybe a nursing home, mm-hmm. the idea of you getting out and getting right. your way down to yeah. the DMV to get it, they've made it impossible. These are all things that are very laser focused and like sniper rifle designed Mm -hmm. to sneak past people who aren't paying attention and so i do feel very strong we we do need a national level law to implement policies and and ensure that uh, every american's right to vote is 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 protected because it's being restricted very very um in a very deliberate and malicious manner yeah but uh yeah, but again, the, the challenge we also have too, if you're seeing a little bit of it now, is is at the same time. I'm not saying we need to bipartisan laws, but I don't just no. That's not gonna. Those days are over. <laughs> but we also have to go. Sometimes we just get a little over ambitious. I mean, some of these laws are so vast, mm-hmm. and and there's so many pet 
things pushed into them. It's like, can we, we, I would love to see a more of a focus on the key acts, right? The key pieces of the yeah. puzzle. Like, and so, uh, I, yeah, I, I am, I am slightly optimistic. I, I am a little worried that you're hearing reports in the White House where they're saying, "Hey, guys, don't worry, we can, we can out organize those voter mm-hmm. restriction laws." I, I think that's too optimistic. I, yeah. I think they're really underestimating the power of our, our opponents. Yeah. Um, that, that the Republican and the people we oppose have got a very, very coordinated effort. Um, much better than we do on the Democratic side to restrict our rights. And, and it's not as simple as just outward. I think that people are going to be fooled thinking Stacey Abrams made it look easy. Right, Stacey Abrams yeah. worked her fucking ass she off. She did. <laughs> okay? she, she and her allies She's and her amazing. peers and her co-collaborators co, uh, worked very, very hard yeah. to do what they did. And even with all that work of two, three, four years, mm-hmm. they barely squeaked out a victory in the end right and since then george has restricted more voting mm-hmm. and so you know i mean that they they already took kicked enough people off the rolls to take back the victory yeah and so i don't believe that organized at the local level is the only answer um it's it's I, honestly this that topic is the one that keeps me up at night that, yeah. that no matter how hard we work no matter how great our policies are no matter how great as the lincoln project puts out or the democratic party no matter how many great camps we field mm-hmm. in the end the problem is going to be that I can't get enough people to the polls yeah. or they get there and they've been restricted or they've been kicked off the rolls and didn't even know they're kicked off the rolls. This insidious, malicious, malevolent attempts to keep people who will not vote the way they want them to from voting. It's just um, unbelievable. I mean, I cannot. I, it is. Every oh, it is. Day, oh, I'm going to make bones about that, sister. Yeah. I mean, every single day I'm constantly like just gobsmacked at how yeah. everything has changed. I mean, I'm not, I'm not yeah. under any delusion that America was this perfect country but you know we and 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 as a white woman with privilege i i know that i didn't see certain things and you know as as i have become more political over the past decade uh, my eyes have been open to things but um you know i i always recognize i mean i used to fight with my grandfather all the time because you know and i've told this story before so i won't go on too long but he was when he was young he had a group of uh, black friends and i mean they were young they were like young teenagers and i think they turned on him and they beat him up and then he became a racist and he would you know i would argue with him and i would say well what if a bunch of white boys beat you up would you hate all white Mm -hmm. people and you know he'd get so pissed when i would bring that up to him because i had a point and he didn't like my point but um so i was not delusional and thinking that this was some kind of perfect utopia i did i did recognize like when i lived in russia that's when i understood what patriotism was because it was like oh oh my god you know it's so fucking different over here and and i was only 12 but i could see the differences um and i just i can never fucking believe it but i also wanted to ask you about ron DeSantis. now first of all i want to say that it really doesn't matter. I know that Trump's got the charisma. The base loves him, and he's got that charisma. Um, DeSantis doesn't necessarily have that charisma, but I don't think it doesn't matter who they put up as the nominee. I don't. I know that charisma helps, but I don't think the person's going to need charisma because a the cheating and the base is just going to stick with. Republic. They all fucking hated Trump in 2015, and then they jumped on board. So my, you know, my relative who is a diehard MAGA supports the insurrection, all of it supports the torture from the Bush administration. Um, she did not like Trump, and now she does. So you know, I think it doesn't really matter who's the nominee at this point. I think they're all danger, but. If it's not going to be Trump, I know David Jolly thinks, and and his numbers are going up. Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. would be the nominee. And I'm, what do you think of that? Do you think 
what do you think is going to happen with that? Like, do you think Trump's going to actually run or do you think he's because there's there's gossip out there or there's talk out there that he's not going to run. So what do you think is going to happen? Uh, I, I think he is a sociopath. Yes, <laughs> agree. And, and, and I think he will. I don't know if he will run or not. Um, my colleagues have stronger opinions than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he's going to make us think he's going to run, mm-hmm. and and he is uh, he's a, he's a, he's a walking id, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and, and so as he sees Ron DeSantis rise, he'll try to put him down, even mm-hmm. even if he doesn't run. Just mm-hmm. the idea that no one's greater than Donald J. Trump. Yeah, you know there there is no one greater. Than, no one. There's no real heir to Donald Trump throne. Cause mm-hmm. How could you? He's fucking amazing, right? <laughs> and and yeah. he really believes that shit. He yeah. really believes that shit. So I do believe that if he is not in jail or dead uh, or completely, you know, drooling mad, which is not out of the range of possible, um, that he will probably try and run. Um, hmm. He learned his lesson. He learned that he can make a gobs of money and not get prosecuted for crimes if he's yeah. president of the United States. And that's a that's a mighty appealing thing for a, mm-hmm. an egotistic, you know, a guy like Donald Trump. So, so I do believe unless unless there's an outside fact that keeps him from running, I do believe in my heart that he will make a run at it again, hmm. um, just because that's because he, he made bank. I mean, yeah. my God, he's he's raised what seventy five million dollars just mm-hmm. from the stop the steal bullshit. Hasn't spent a dime of it except for himself. Of course. Okay. Yeah. He he figured out that politics is a sweet ass deal mm-hmm. if you have no morals. Um wow. and so having you know, that's the funny thing about your earlier question about ours is we raised eighty million and spent eighty million. <laughs> 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 you know. <laughs> and you know, all of it. And so you know, on our on our mission, right? So I, I think I think he's preternaturally incapable of saying no to himself, you know, mm-hmm. to his ego. Now yeah. um having said that, um these other these other wannabes, while appealing to his base and 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 certain ones like they said they don't have the i mean he's more than just the i don't think he has charisma but he's more than just the superstar you know the the, the guy who gets up and gives speeches right it, he's got this background he was a celebrity before you ever mm-hmm. became there's this myth that he's this great businessman and <laughs> titan in the end ron DeSantis is a governor mm-hmm. um he's got a he's got he's got policies he has to run against you know what i'm saying he he's yeah. been an elected official um, none of them will have the kind of draw uh, to the MAGA crowd like Trump. Um, yeah. That's why you see so many wannabes. So um, I think what you see us doing is, you know, we're just kind of, you know, we'll do it. We'll, you know, we love reminding him of other people saying bad things about him, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and and so so I I don't know what the future of the party is without Trump. Hmm. Um, wow. The, and how yeah. you you hook your wagon to a horse that is so very deeply broken. Um, and that horse is running buck wild all over the fucking fields and mm-hmm. up and down mountains, <laughs> yeah. you know, and dragging your ass with them. Um, mm-hmm. it, where is the heir apparent? I mean, Josh Hawley's a worm. Yeah. Um, Lindsey Graham's, I don't know what Lindsey Graham is. Frankly, <laughs> <laughs> Ron DeSantis is a, is, is a, is a jackass in an ill-fitting suit. Yeah. Um, who's got it. You, who, you can't wear away from the fact that hundreds of thousands of Floridians are dying. Yeah. Um, while he worries about, you know, stupid shit. Um, he's not that charismatic. He just isn't. No, Ron DeSantis isn't. is a jackass. So it's 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 an interesting future for the party. I think I think if there are any smart people left over there, they've got to be looking at the future of the party and say, oh, we're fucked. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just there's not this weird, you know, the, the names that keep coming. Christy Noem. I mean, come on, oh, really? Know. You know, you know, just some of the names coming out or there's there's no error to the Trump uh, movement, um, no matter how much so many of them are deluding themselves and believing they could be. Um, so it gives me optimism, to be honest with you. You know, Kimberly, it's like. Okay, so who, what's right. next for this party? I, I believe the party's going to splinter. Uh, it's good, but it's, but like 
like as my colleague Steve Schmidt has probably may have said on your podcast before, is the challenge is it's like a as the sun gets smaller, it gets hotter and and, and more radioactive. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 And, and and that's the situation. We and that's what we're seeing with the mm-hmm. violence, with the desperation, with yeah. the, the outrageous things they're proposing. Um, it, it, I do believe that we're seeing a party in its death throes, but I also believe I'm like there's no one. You know, when the Whigs went away, they said, oh, we're, we're done. Well, obviously, this isn't working. <laughs> you know, I uh, I don't know if there's any self-awareness within the Republican Party that they're a dying party. Um, yeah. and, and there's no one strong enough right now trying to come up with alternatives. And I do believe until someone of common sense within the party finally says, I renounce all of this, right. um, uh, this is the conservative alternative. But I, I believe they're going to burn themselves to the ground in that big you know, nuclear fire. Um well, you brought up an interesting know. point that, you know, Donald Trump might throw some shade over to DeSantis if DeSantis is oh, numbers. You know, and that actually could benefit because, you know, first of all, Trump had COVID and he had it pretty bad and he's old and I don't know what the fuck is wrong with him, but shit's wrong with him. And it's oh, not, yeah. not going to get any better. And so no. uh, what condition is his brain going to be in in three years from now? So, you know, I mean, to see him shitting all over DeSantis – uh, his the mega crowd will eat that up, and it will cause if DeSantis say is the nominee for any reason, it would hurt him. So there is that, and that's something to look yeah. forward to. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're going to eat our alive. I mean, honestly, I mean, I think as as Trump, I do you know, I do believe Trump is is, is has health issues. There's I, I won't I won't venture to guess what they are, right. but you just can't you can't look at the man and exactly. not see the health issues that are that are accelerating, especially since he left office. He does yeah. not look well. No, uh, he's not a well man. Um, He's not a young man. Uh, he's not someone who takes care of himself, you know. It's, and, and so, so there's he's not getting any younger, and and so uh, that has to be a reality they have to face, and they're not ready for it. And so, no. you're right. I mean, I, I I'm not gonna let it. I kind of enjoy it. I, I, go ahead and share a lot. Go for it. <laughs> and we're gonna encourage it. You see us. You know, we, we just did the you know, we did the ad about hey, Mitch McConnell saying that you're not in charge of the party anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, we are we are sold to our psyops against Donald Trump. Yeah. Because he is the head of the party, and the longer he longer he delude himself in thinking he could take over the party or keep the party, then run for president in 2024, and then win. Um, uh, I don't know. It's better for the rest of us as yeah. they eat each other alive. Wow. So. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, if I'm kind of were... cold. I mean, and, and, you know, going back to the very tar- the start of this conversation, you talk about what's the thing about the Labor Party. I mean, what, uh-huh. Look, we're not perfect, okay? We're, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you we're we're all, you know, we, we've got backgrounds and my, my peers, especially my founder. I'm new to politics. I've, I've been in politics for a whopping one year, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But my colleagues who founded this organization are are, are long and long yeah. in Republican politics. They they've all got track records, good and bad. Um, they've made decisions that they, many of them regret to this day, and I, I've had those conversations directly with them. Um, but in the end, we do things. We do something that nobody else is going to do. We're willing to throw elbows. Yeah. You know, we're going to throw elbows. We're not. You know, I, I tell, I tell, I tell candidates all the time, like, you know, just sell yourself. Get down there, walk mm-hmm. the streets of your district. You know, tell people that we should let us be there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a weird position. I'm. 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 A, people will be surprised. They follow me on Twitter and know that I'm actually a pretty nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> and. and, and, and and, but it, it's a weird position to be the guy wearing a black hat in the battle. But yeah. but we are we are the we're the we're the black hat guys who are willing to fight the battles that that, that, that and, and say the things and go after people for the things they've done um, that that others can't. So I, I'm, I'm proud of the work we do. Is it, is it perfect? I mean, honestly, I know I know my liberal friends like you and others are very concerned about our past actions or the the stories that have come out. And I, I get it. And and I, you know what? I can't. I will not dissuade you of that. Mm-hmm. I, I will just try to say our actions, our, our actions have speak themselves as far as our ability to to impact these races and, and do the things that need to be done that 
so we can keep our democracy because all of us recognize no matter where our partisan divide is or what policies we stand for we don't do policies in the good project people all the time come at us like what do you what's your position the filibuster yep it's a policy mm-hmm. what we're more worried about <laughs> yeah. you know it, it, it exists that, that's not our thing our yeah. thing is to talk about the danger to our democracy yeah. that this authoritarian movement makes and 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 we're willing my organization and me are willing to throw those hard elbows to make sure that no one get they don't just get to you know, we need to stand up to them and it's yeah. not going to be comfortable. So, well, and that is the benefit of having people like Rick Wilson or, right. you know, the former Republicans who, exactly. like I was saying, they have the insight into that party and how that party thinks. And then also to kind of like help Democrats where they don't, you know, their strong point is governing. And again, they're not perfect. They don't always make the best decisions. All Democrats aren't perfect. I've gone after some of them myself. Um and it wasn't fun, but I did it. And, you know, so I, I like the whole point of government, our government, is that, you know, we should be able to critique the government when we disagree. I have certainly yep. I mean, I was always fighting for the Equal Rights Amendment. And right. there were a few Democratic senators, male senators who weren't backing it. And at that particular time, I was blogging and I had a lot of a reach, a lot. And I would basically threaten these men with if you're not going to support the ERA, I'm going to out you for not supporting equal rights for women women and some of them listened to me and others didn't and but I called them out I stopped calling them out in the election year was 2014 because I just felt like okay I you know we got to win and of course we didn't Democrats didn't show up to vote and it was just so upsetting but anyway um yeah I, I think that it's important to have you know to join hands and I mean as far as Liz Cheney is concerned I, you know, I don't agree with the goddamn thing she does except for standing up for democracy. And, I mean, Dick Cheney's her father. So, you know, she's coming from a place where, no, no, no. In fact, the thing is, one of the biggest problems that I have is, you know, I mean, I've had Joe Walsh on, and I like Joe Walsh. I think that he's a good person with a good heart. But I think that, you know, he's a little bit, and this is my personal opinion, misguided in that uh, he's totally, you know, pro-democracy, but then he's willing to go back to policies that kind of got us in this first place got us here in the first place because they were discriminatory and you know they weren't necessarily fair to everyone that's my big thing when it comes to if you're a republican and you're anti-trump but if you're gonna if we're gonna stand there like i'll hold hands with joe walsh and say okay let's fight this beast because it is our future and he does understand it obviously the people at lincoln project understand it and I do appreciate it. So, and I want to trust, you know what I mean? Like I want to, yeah. I want to join those hands because we need everybody in this fight. The last question I wanted to ask you is, okay, so we've been seeing almost a flip-flop kind of with the COVID vaccine from the Republicans last week. It was like, uh, we saw, I was Hannity and we saw um, Mitch McConnell a number yep. of people have come out and going, yeah, pro-vaccine. But now we've got that fucking Chip Roy dickhead standing on the floor screaming about masks. And right. th- so the party is not unified when it comes no. to vaccine messaging. And I'm wondering what you're thinking. Why all of a sudden is Sean Hannity and Mitch McConnell saying you need to get vaccinated? Do you have any clue about that? Uh, I, I, the two theories that we have and that we've talked about and I think publicly is um, – must have been some really bad polls that came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and two, two, uh, money. Let's be honest. I mean, it's killing the stock yeah. market. Yeah. You know, that, 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 in the end, if, if they could, if they could have it both ways where they can use this as a policy, um, weapon and as a cudgel against the Democratic Party's failures, um, but keep everything else the same, 
Um, they can't. The fact is, if you use people's deaths and illness as a cudgel, mm-hmm. one, you're killing your own constituents. Yeah. Two, you know, two, you're killing our economy because that's 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 the result of this. Is, right. Look, it, it, you know, people forget. That one of the things always made me mad about the whole thing with the mat lockdowns is, you know, my my ex-wife and my daughter own a business up in uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia, and 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 let me tell you, long before there was a mask mandate or a, a lockdown, the business crashed, right? Or not crashed, but it was going way down. Because you know why? People were scared of fucking dying. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know, they, they they were voting with their health. Okay, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and 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 so to say that oh, it's the mass lockdowns that destroyed the country. No, no, people die and kill the economy. Right? right. It, yeah. it, it's it's it wasn't it wasn't lockdowns that caused the stock market to crash a year and a half ago. It was people were getting really sick, mm-hmm. and that's bad for everybody. Right. And so so I think in the end, as much as they want to use the the politics to their advantage in all this, the problem is the fact is. People are scared, mm-hmm. and and they just reported in Texas that there's kids on ventilators yeah. in Dallas. Yeah. You know, they, okay, this is this is a real disease, and people yeah. really are dying, and there's people out there being affected by it. And you can't fool someone who lost their aunt right to COVID and say everything's fine when I when when you watch when your own relatives die mm-hmm. a horribly painful death alone, yeah. like I saw up in New York. Yeah. Um. You, so so I think in the end there was this realization that. I, I, you know, as much as I want to politicize this thing, I can't deny the fact that vaccination rates are low in in Republican states, and holy shit, people are fucking dying all of a sudden again. And I think they're really hoping to thread the needle where they could have it public ways where vaccination rates are low, and they get away with it because the disease is going away. Well, then it did the thing that diseases do; Mm -hmm. they morphed. (laughs) You know, it evolved, and now it's killing people again. Um, so I think part of it, I do, I do think, I really believe the case is that they got some bad polls that told that yeah. to the stock market crash. So their big donors said, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You know, the, the, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, wow. but again, they're confused. And if you look at who's still on the bandwagon, it isn't the smart ones. Okay. It's, right. it. yeah, it's, it's like it is the chip yeah. boys. It's the mag, it's the Marjorie Taylor Greene. They're too stupid to get it. Yeah. They don't understand the impact of what they're doing. And the Nazi, um, the Nazi I, <laughs> yeah. I like to call her But the again, Nazi. no, what you should see, again, the optimist me, see the fighting about me and this job is I, I I take great pleasure in optimism and them eating each other fucking alive. Yeah. So the, the, while I, I I think they're killing themselves to see the McConnells and the Hannitys, those guys trying to <laughs> trying to spin this, and then to see the M, you know Marjorie Taylor Greens and Chip Roy's and these others coming out against it. You know, it, it's like, you know, it, it, wow. yeah. it's so not Republican, right? right? I mean, that's the thing. Exactly. They've been lockstep in their march. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so. I kind of think it's hilarious. <laughs> you know, I, take, I take pleasure in watching them eat each other alive. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we, the Lincoln Project, I could say as, as an organization, I try not to speak for the organization all the time, but in this case, we're happy. You ever see that? There's that meme of uh, Daryl from The Walking Dead, you know, and the, the barns burn, and he's sitting there on his motorcycle and smoking cigarettes. Like, you know, some people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and right. I'm not going to lie. The, we at the Lincoln Project sit on that motorcycle smoking our cigarettes going, oh, GOP is on fire. Well, that's a damn shame. <laughs> Hey, here's some gas. Exactly. <laughs> Throw this on it. See if wow. that helps. You know. Yeah. And and and, and I can't tell you how often I get called or, or message from. Well, Fred, I know you guys want to join the Republican Party. What's next? What's your plan for what's next? Don't care. You know. Yeah. Republicans and 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 conservatives of conscience will figure that out. Mm-hmm. That's not my job. My job is to burn to the ground and salt the fucking earth. Yeah. So that what has become an authoritarian wannabe dictatorship within america never gets root or seed again yeah 
Definitely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. Um, my, my experience with you on Twitter has always been positive. So I know I didn't, thank you. I didn't come into this thinking I'm going to get him. But I um... know uh, I appreciate it. You know, and, you know again, I, I, look, we're not shy. I'm not I'm not one of those guys been trying to smoke. Oh, everything's great. We're yeah. fine. We, we make we we as an organization did make mistakes. We as an organization were not prepared. I mean, look, we went from nothing. <laughs> Yeah. An idea. Look, this thing started with an op-ed. Mm-hmm. These eight people signed off on an op-ed together to a movement, mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily sure any of us were prepared to run a movement. Right. Uh, and so, like any startup company that goes through explosive growth, you know, look, we, we made some mistakes. We made some errors. I do believe that we've done an earnest job of trying to correct those mistakes and, and be an organization that people can be proud of us for. Um, so, yeah, again, I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit I've, uh, I, I personally or my organization made errors or, or, or afraid to admit that we're imperfect or like any human being, we're not perfect. But, but I, so I'm not, I'm not hurt by criticism. Right. <laughs> I want it based in fact and come after me for the actual fact. What I get mad, you'll see me get mad as when, oh, well, when you're a pedo. No, actually, see, that's okay. Right. I'm not going to talk about that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's not a thing. You know? Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't mind a little bit back and forth with people who don't necessarily agree with our policies or our, our approaches to things. Cause, but again, but we're all in a fight for our democracy. We, we may just do it differently. Yeah, and I mean, I like your approach because it's very much Thank in you. your face. And that's, you know, we're deal- we, we can't, Democrats get criticized all the time for not being strong enough. And I, you know, in some cases, I'm right. Right there criticizing them another i understand yeah. you know what they need to do in order to you know appear responsible and sane um you can't dip down <clears throat> excuse me can't dip down to their level and break rules right. or you become them but there's that exactly. fine line but you can definitely call their shit out in an aggressive way that's not pussyfooting around and i do see that from the lincoln project and i do like it so i do appreciate yeah. it and I, again i wanted to thank you for being on the show but before i cut you loose why don't you tell everybody where they can find you well, as you know, I'm all over Twitter at SP Wellman. Uh, that's pretty much where I catch me the most. I've locked all my other channels down. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you want to check out the Lincoln Project, lincolnproject.us is our website. I'm, I'm more than, I, I would love for your listeners to go over there, look at our financial stewardship report from, from April, look at, look at the results of the, the Hastings review of our efforts and, and what they said in the end, and, and, and take, us for, take us to town if you don't agree with us. But uh, we appreciate this board. And, and again, we're, we're in the fight. We're not going anywhere. Very cool. Well, I will definitely include your Twitter handle in the Patreon description Great. of this show. And, of course, you can, that. you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget that extra E. Find my books on Twitter. Thank you so much, Fred. It was great talking to you. Likewise. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.